This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. So I want to just put a little disclaimer before I start tonight's share. I have a little smirk on my face. I have no notes tonight, which is a little bit dangerous. Um, I just want to ask Mechila from all the women here, because I'm going to make a shtickle a little bit fun of all of you. Um, of course, it's in good humor, and I'm sure you're going to laugh along with me, not laugh at me. So I'm asking Mechila from everyone before I even start to share. Okay, we'll see. Anyway, so the topic tonight, the topic tonight is, I don't usually give topic, but what they should have written is, love. The greatest sacrifice of all. Now, for some reason, that word, when you say that word, it doesn't sound very from. It doesn't sound, it sounds like a, like a nerdy word. Like there's something wrong with that word. And even in the dating scene, we know that you're not supposed to tell, there's a homach like we shine him, if, when are you allowed to tell your wife that you love her? So for sure, not before you're engaged, you're not allowed to use that word. You can write at the end of the card when you get engaged, I like you very, 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 very much, a hundred times with 400 X's, but you can't write the word I love you because for, it's not sneeistic. So pretty much everyone agrees that uh, once you're married, once you're married, you can use that word. Some guys think that you can start using it after you're married 50 years, but I don't understand, really, I don't understand why that word took a connotation that it's epishmutzi, that the word love is a schmutzy word. Um, that's a new vocabulary word, schmutzy. Um, all our tefillah is full of the word ava. The word Ava is used all over the place. In fact, the word Ava equals 13. And we know that the relationship between our Baruch Hu and us, the Baruch Hu loves us and we love our Baruch Hu. 13 plus 13 equals 26, which is Yudke Vavke. So Ava is a very big word. So why is it such a terrible word to, you know, to say that word? It's a very hard word to say. For, for, for parents to say to kids, should be very easy to tell your children I love them. Not I like you very much, I think of you very highly. Huh? Right? You're supposed to be able to tell your kids, and, and, and kids are supposed to be able to tell their parents that they love them. And a husband and wife are allowed to say that word also. So why has it turned into such a terrible word? Because we live in a world, we live in a gullus, where they took that word, and they made it very schmutzy. To love, to use the word love, it's not a, it's not a nice word. I, I remember when I went to school, so we we never were forced to read Shakespeare. I'm a sugar to that guy. I'm a sugar to Shakespeare. What did he write already? He wrote a story about three witches and a big pot. Wrote a story about a friend stabbing his best friend in the back. He, you know, he said brute. That's really nice. Everything everything was tragedy. He was also an anti-Semite in the Taming of the Shrew. He said the cheap Jew, sure. They don't like Jews. He was a drunk, right? But he wrote this very romantic story called Romeo and Juliet. I remember, we weren't supposed to read that story, right? But I remember, of course, when you tell the kids you can't read something, that's what they read. So I never understood as a kid what this whole relationship, Romeo and Juliet, and why everybody cries, you know, Romeo, Juliet, Romeo. What kind of story is this? She kills her or herself, then he kills himself, and that's called love. The greatest love, they killed it. I said, 
Sugar, if you loved her, why don't you take her out for pizza? You see, she's depressed. What are you letting yourself kill yourself? Oh, you can, I'm gonna, right? Whoever doesn't know the story, they ended up dying together. Wow. What a great story. What a terrible story. That's what you teach children is the ultimate love. Two people dying together. So yes, Nebuch is a, what? Dying together is romantic? I, 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 I think that's a very bad lesson. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, in fact. Right, it was the circumstances and shh. You're asking a very good question. I think that a much better lesson would have been that if she would have been so depressed in life and she wanted to kill herself, that the end of the story should have been some way that this guy was able to bring her back into this world to be the happiest and they would get married and live happily ever after. We look at this story and it becomes romantic to die together. And never since this book has been written, thousands of double suicides where a, man, a girl and a boy kill themselves together and think that that is romantic and that is love and that is the greatest, that is the opposite of love. Living, and, and we spoke about this last week, that, that my proof to that is that last week we asked the question, why doesn't the story of Avram Avinu being thrown into the kitchen of Asia and dying for Hashem, that shows his love for Hashem, why isn't that mentioned in the Torah? It's not mentioned in the Torah, it's only mentioned in the Medrash. And Lech Lecha, his whole test of leaving his parents and his family, that the Torah spends so much time talking about. The man jumped in, was thrown into a fire for Hashem. Doesn't that show the greatest love of all, that he's willing to sacrifice his life? And Chazal says, no. To die for Hashem takes a moment. To live for Hashem takes a lifetime. Living for someone, living for someone for a lifetime is true love. Dying for someone in a moment, that's not, that's not the Jewish way of looking at love at all. So, Harry Wallstein, what are you talking about? Why are you bringing this subject? What's, what's going on over here? Like, what are you talking about, Romeo? Romeo and Juliet, that's why we came to the share. That's why we left the Yankee game to listen to Toyo. You should listen. You should be talking about this. Because this is Tyra. And I want to tell you why this is Tyra. So, this discussion on the word L-O-V-E, what that means, what the word love means, is a discussion that I've had with many classes, girls, boys, seminary, older, younger, of the translation of that word. And I've got many different meanings, and I'm sure if I had time tonight to go through the whole crowd and ask everyone, what's your translation of love, right? Um, everybody would have a different look at it. One person would say, trust, right? Trust, trusting someone means that you love them. Well, I get on an airplane, I went to Eretz Yisrael, I trust the pilot, I don't even know what he looks like, I don't know who he is, I definitely don't love the pilot, but I definitely trust the pilot. I'm trusting him at 38, 40,000 feet above the ocean that he's not going to do what those two guys on Delta did and start talking to each other and, and looking at their uh, laptop, right, and fly right past Israel into Syria. That wouldn't be good, right? So I trust these two guys or three people in the cockpit that they're going to get me there safely, but I definitely don't love them. Does anyone here know why when you look for a doctor... When you look for a doctor, so you check them out like crazy, I want to know the hospital, I want to know success rate, I want to know who went to this doctor. Your mom should check out a doctor like crazy. Forget about a shidduch. Before you go out with a boy, you have to know everything, you have to know everything about him and his family, 
I have to eat on plastic dishes, and you know the whole story. And this dishes, and that dishes. You ready for this? You ready? You ready for this? You got to hear this one. This you got to hear. This is brand new. A guy came over to me. I don't know if it's true or he made it up, but this is what he told me. He came to this house to pick up the girl on the shidduch date. He says it's 100% true. This is what he told me. So he comes in, and you know, you meet before the girl comes down the steps, you meet the parents. The boy meets the parents, and then the girl makes the grand entrance. So he sits down, and he thinks the father's going to give him a faher. So the father says to him, so did you get lost? He says, no. He says, how come? He says, because I had a GPS. Father said, I want to ask you a question. Sure. He says, the GPS that you have in your car, what do you have it set to? A male voice or a female voice? So the guy's not going to lie. So he said, a female voice. He said, okay. He called back to Shachin after they went out. He said, this boy's not for my daughter. <laughs> All right. So I, don't, I can't believe such a story. I, I, just, I just don't believe such a story. But this is what he told me. But that aside, that aside, Lamaisa, before you go up on a shit, before you go out on a shidduch, the checking out is mamish like, like you check the romaine lettuce for bugs. I mean, under a magnifying glass, you have to soak the guy in water for three times. I don't know. Till your mamish think that the guy's kosher. It's crazy. Checking out a boy and a girl. Today it's not normal. It's mamish. And it's easy. You can Google FBI. You can get all the information on them, right? Whatever. I mean, it's not, it's not normal. They call the doctor. Did she ever have fever as a kid? Did she get, did she get her German measles shots? I mean, what, what do you, you know, it's crazy. Okay, anyway, it is, it's out, it's totally out of hand. But! When you get on a plane, and the guy's flying 40,000 feet in the air, you don't check him out at all. Is his pilot sleeping? Does he have shalom bias? Is he angry? Is he a drunk? Nothing. You get on the plane, like a carbon, you sit in your chair, right? And whatever they tell you, it's like, I, I always say, I wish my class was like an airplane. They tell you, stand up, stand up. They tell you, it's, a, it's an hour. I've been on a plane that's three hours on the runway. Just happened to me not long ago. They got on. There's a problem in New York. We're going to stand here. We're going to wait. We're not going. They never go back. They never go back. They leave you out there. Three, so first he said 45 minute delay. Now, kids in my class, if I'm one minute late to recess, they're jumping all over me. You have 200 people sitting on a plane. Adults, right? The guy just said, 45 minutes, you're going to sit in your chair. We're not going nowhere. Everybody sits there like a carbon. <laughs> then he gets back after 45 minutes, and he goes, we still didn't get clearance. It's another hour. Nothing. Why? So the answer is like this. Why do you trust the pilot? Because if the plane goes down, the pilot goes with us. So we trust that this pilot is not suicidal. And therefore, he's not going to do something stupid because if I'm going to die, chas v'shalom, he's going to die. But when, at, when it comes to a doctor, if he messes up, you're going to be in trouble. But he's not going to be in trouble. So you've got to check him out. When the person themselves, which has a lot to do with what I'm going to tell you tonight, when the person themselves is together in the same parasha as you are, then you're not so, you're not so worried. Okay. So... Trust doesn't mean you love somebody. Respect, hey, get pulled over on, on the highway by a cop, right? You're not going to mouth off to him and say terrible things. You're going to say, yes, sir, why, sir, anything, yes, sir, right? You have big respect for a policeman. You love him? No. 
So, my harsh translation, all you romanticists in the room, I apologize before I say what I'm going to say. My harsh translation of the word love is sacrifice. My wife does not like when I say that because it sounds like that. Imagine, you know, uh, you're married and you want to express your feelings to your wife and you're saying, Hi, Hanallah, I really would like to sacrifice myself for you. <laughs> she said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And if you really like me, you're going to sacrifice yourself for me. Well, what kind of talk is that, right? So the word sacrifice sounds like it's a very harsh word, and sacrifice and love have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Wrong. This is my shit tonight. No. What is sacrifice? My raya, my proof is in this week's parasha. Akash Baruch Hu tested Avram Avinu many, 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 many times to see if Avram Avinu really loved Hashem. The final test of Avram Avinu's love for Hashem was not jumping into a fire, was, was the ultimate sacrifice. To actually sacrifice his own child, that proved Hashem that Avram loved Hashem on the highest level. So there's no argument that the word sacrifice and the word love go together. But what does that mean? What does that mean? So, Baruch Hashem, I have the mazel of I teach boys also. And when a boy, the night before he gets married, so usually I sit there and I sit with the boy, I learn halachis, he went already to chassan classes, but I talk to him about, since I teach girls and I have, Baruch Hashem, five daughters and a wife, so I'm living with girls my whole life, shared one bathroom for many years with them, right? Tried to understand my own children. When I grew up, the only thing you ironed were your shirts. Today, you guys iron your hair. I don't understand that. I don't know where that came from, ironing each other's hair, but whatever it is, you know, it is. I'm going to come up, I, I said, I said it to Lutakush Baruch because it's very dangerous. You iron your hair, you know, you could get burnt. It's like, once my daughter got a little burnt, it's like, it's like a little crazy thing to iron your hair. So I'm doubting that Hashem should create girls with permanent press hair. So they don't have to, <laughs> don't have to ever iron your hair because it's really dangerous to iron your hair. But, you know, girls are very different than boys and I got to talk to my boys. Because, you know, you think you can just get married. Let me tell you about this, these guys that you're marrying. These guys are in yeshiva in a dormitory. You know, they don't, they don't fold their clothing and hang up their jackets. Us guys, we don't fold our clothing. We take our socks, we wear them for a week. And then the next week, all we do is turn them inside out and wear them for another week. You understand? And... The dorm room, you just throw your stuff on the floor, you know, and then the day after they get married, she's like, Chaim, your socks are on the floor. He's like, no. Where my, where my socks supposed to be? You don't put them in the laundry bin? You think in the yeshiva I went in Israel, there was a laundry bin? What's a laundry bin? So I try to, to talk to these boys and, 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 and break down the walls so that they don't get into a shock treatment, you know, when they're married. So, there's something about us that's very different than you. Well, there's a few things, but in shopping, when we go shopping, we're very different than when you go shopping. And a boy, we walk into a store, and we pick out, you know, size 42 regular. Guy comes, size 42 regular, puts it on. 
You have to know the Jewish tailor. Even if it doesn't fit you, they pull it up, they pull it that, like that. The guy's holding your jacket in the back while you're looking in the mirror. No, it's perfect. No, right? Perfect. Okay, I'll take one in blue, black, gray, and brown. Give me four ties that match, four white shirts, some underwear, a couple of socks. I'm getting married. I got to have clothing, right? And a pair of shoes, size 10D. Oh, those are nice. They have a buckle. You want to try them on? We don't even try on the shoes, okay? You guys sit there and there's 400 boxes, right? The guy, 400 different boxes. We don't even try on the shoes. I know I'm a size 10D. I like them. Fine, put it away. 25 minutes. We're in, we're out, paid for. No questions asked. Four suits, four ties, underwear, socks, pajamas. We're done. Now, all of a sudden, this guy gets married. And she says to him, you know, Sunday... Sunday, I'd like to go, sh- I'd like to go shopping. I have Sheva Brooklyn's coming up, my friend's wedding. Can we go to the city? So first of all, guys are very silly. Because we're very into ourselves, and we don't like to sacrifice ourselves. So what we'll do is, we, we, we like to be like heroes. So we're not just gonna tell our wives, sure, you wanna go to the city, I'll go with you. We're first gonna tell you, I don't really wanna go. But for you! For you, I'll go! And what does every woman say? I don't need your favors. <laughs> the minute, the minute, the minute I have to ask you for something, it's a favor. I don't need your favors. I got friends. You don't want to go with me. He's like, no, no. I just, I'm just trying to show you how much I care about you. That I'm willing to sacrifice. Every, you know, my day. Oh, you're sacrificing your day. I'm not interested. So I tell the guys right away. Don't go into your whole story that you're a hero. Say, of course. You want to go shopping? Of course. I'm like, you have to understand when a woman goes shopping. You have to understand the story. I'm not Hafsha making fun of you. We're just different. There's nothing wrong with you guys, girls. We're just a little bit different. Now you think, why is Rabbi Wallstein doing this? What does this have to do with his shear? You will see by the end of the shear, this has everything to do with my shear. So, off to Bloomingdale's. Now Bloomingdale's got very smart. In the old days when I went shopping with my wife, there were no benches or chairs near the fitting room. So us guys, how much patience do you think we have while you're in that fitting room for four hours? What are you doing in that fitting room right for four What you're doing in there, but whatever, right? So after 20 minutes, he's like, no, no. So Bloomingdale's got smart, and they put out a bunch of couches and a bunch of chairs. And if you go to Bloomingdale's, you'll see six guys or eight guys sitting on a couch like this. <laughs> and they're happy. They get themselves six hours of sleep. Somebody told me last night when I spoke, they even put up a television with ESPN so that the husbands can watch sports. They got smart. They got smart. So I tell my boys, because I got to tell them this, because otherwise they're going to be in for a shock. They have to understand. So I'm like, this is the way it works, guys. I don't understand it, but every woman who goes shopping, the first hour is just moving hangers from the left to the right. <laughs> they're not even shopping. They're warming up. Right? It's like, na 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 Look at what you're moving. No. And then when all the stuff is on the side of the thing, for some reason you're very neat, so you don't want to leave them all there, it's na 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 back the other way. na 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 The guy standing there is like, he she's not even looking at the clothing, right? It's the hanger movement, first hour is total hanger movement. Then you start looking, and you go, and you're looking, and you're looking, and he's sitting there, and he really likes, he really cares about his wife. He wants her to be happy, right? Finally... She's not so happy because he didn't walk around with her, but he sneers. He doesn't want to walk around all, the whole store and everything. So he's just sitting on that couch with all the other guys who are miserable, right? They're all sitting there together talking about, you know, my wife, you know, we're having a wedding, whatever. Anyway, she finally comes back and she's got 15 outfits. <laughs> and he's sitting there thinking, now I need to take out another mortgage. Right? 
So he's like, I want it to be happy because I wanted it to be a successful shopping trip. On the other hand, I don't want her to buy 15. I said, guys, she will never buy the 15. If she doesn't take 15 into the dressing room, she will definitely come out with nothing. So if she takes 15, you got a shot, she'll come out with one. So here's this guy who buys five suits in 20 minutes. It's now three hours into the shopping spree. He's finally, she goes into the dressing room. She's like, Chaim, please sit here. Don't go anywhere. Just sit here because I want you to, to tell me how I look. Also, Meshagam guys don't know that if you tell her that she looks good, means you don't really care. You're just saying that. If you tell her she doesn't look good, how could you say I don't look good? So just keep your mouth quiet, I tell her. When she says, how do I look? Just say, if you don't like it, don't say I don't like it. That's the worst thing a man could say. Say, it doesn't do you justice. <laughs> she can't say anything. It doesn't do you justice. Or, last week, that dress you wore, it just was so much nicer. So she hop what you're saying, but you're not saying. You understand? You have to teach these guys. They don't know how to do that. That guy gets up in the morning in the dorm room and says, No, how do I look? You look stupid. <laughs> Nothing matches. What are you doing? You're blind? Right? That's how you talk to a guy. That's not how you talk to your wife. So anyway, so she goes into this room and he's, and he's, you don't, you're like, red, white, white, where are you going? What does it do with Avram Avino? And I came that's Yitzchak. You'll see. You'll see. It's all going to make sense. All right, so she goes into that room. He's waiting outside. She's going to try on the clothing. He's going to tell him she looks nice. She doesn't come out. The sales lady keeps running back and forth with the same dress in 15 different sizes. Bigger, smaller, half a size, a quarter of a size. He's watching this. He's sitting there. Okay. Finally, she walks out after an hour and 45 minutes. I don't know what she was doing in the room, whatever it was. Maybe she wrote a report for the professor in college. Right? She comes out, and he's like, oh, my goodness. She comes out with three outfits. He goes, what happened to the other 12? Didn't do me justice. (laughs) All right, Baruch Hashem. We're good. We got three outfits. We're going to go home. She's going to be happy. Then I'm going to be happy. We did good. Took, Taka took five hours. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Bloomingdale thought they were very smart. So what did they do? They put the cash register very far away from the fitting room, thinking that you girls, from the fitting room to the cash register, since you have this disease of the hangers, right? You can't go past the hanger without pulling it up. So they figured that from the, from the time of the dressing room until you get to the cash register, you're going to pull out another 10 things. Wrong. They didn't do their marketing. From the fitting room until the cash register, you're going to find 15 reasons to hang up the last three things and not take them. So she does that. Chaim, I have no affair to wear this to. What am am I going to do with this dress? I have nothing to wear this to. He's thinking to himself, what are you asking me for? I didn't tell you to take the dress, right? <laughs> Hung up. Now there's two. He's saying, oh my goodness, this could be really bad. There's two dresses left. And she's like, you know what? This one is definitely going to go on sale. There's no reason for me to buy this right now. Are these ever going to go on sale? Yeah, in two weeks. Okay. Boom. Now there's one left. Is this one going on sale? No. It's marked down. It's not going on sale anymore. Ah, he feels, okay, we're going to get out of this with one dress. Perfect. I don't have to spend a lot of money. She's going to be happy, right? Everything worked out. Who goes to the cash register for one dress? She's like, for one dress now, I'm going to wait online? Are you crazy? 
I just waited five hours for you, and you can't wait online for the one. He's thinking, he's not saying that, right? For one dress, I'm going to wait on. I could probably get this in Nordstrom's for half the price. <laughs> Boom. Guy standing there five hours, 15 dresses later, 3,000 hangers later. <laughs> They're walking out of the store with nothing, but it's even worse. Because while she was in the fitting room, he snuck downstairs, and they were having a sale on Brioni ties, and he threw a beautiful tie, and it's mamish only $50, so he, he took the tie. And then he saw there was a pair of shoes, and he took the pair of shoes. And he thought the whole time she's gonna buy four outfits, so after she buys the four outfits, I can tell her, by the way, can I have the tie and the shoes also? Now she bought nothing, what do you do? So he goes for it. It's a Brioni tie, he wants the tie. And he says, darling, I know you didn't get anything, but I was downstairs. When did you go downstairs? I told you to wait until I come outside. You never came outside. Okay. Could, could I just, could I just get this tie and this pair of shoes? It's mamish amitia. It's like unbelievable. So whose shopping day is this? Mine or yours? We came here today for you to go shopping. The best day in the world. He's thinking, I sacrificed my whole day, the boys, the sports, the learning, everything for her. And now, look what's happening. And all of a sudden, they're in the car. They're not looking at each other. And the best day in the world just turned into the worst day. He says, you want to go out to eat? She goes, what? You want to show off your new Brioni tie to everybody? Like, forget it. It's over. It's over. So I try to teach them. And this is what I'm going, this is my share tonight. That you totally worked the whole day wrong. And I'll tell you why. The problem with this story... And it works the other way. I'm not just making fun of you. Us women, Shugam. A girl asked me two weeks ago, she was on her fifth date with a guy. She really liked him. He was a really nice, tamimistic, uh, I know the guy, sweetheart, the sweetest guy in the world. The Meshuggah, he didn't ask me. He took her to a hockey game. <laughs> so the, the day after the hockey game, she calls me up and she says, Rabbi Wallerstein, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going out with him anymore. I'm like, what happened? She says, he took me to a hockey game. I said, was he cursing? Was he drinking beer? What was he doing? She said, no, no, we had Diet Pepsi. He didn't say anything. So, so what's wrong? She said, Reverend Wallstein, those men with sticks, they were shooting black things at each other. And then guys were giving elbows and guys were flying into the glass. Inside, I never saw this part of him. He must be violent. If, if... If he enjoys watching men hurt men, he must be violent. Now, how am I going to explain to a girl that we're different than you? We don't look as hockey as violent. You understand? Sports. This was a crazy story. This girl, after she asked, I have all these shalom, you know, I deal with all this stuff, whatever. This girl asked her husband, her friend was sick, that he should say to Hillen with his friends, whatever it is. And he told her... To Hillim, it's for girls. You guys all say to Hillim, whatever, I'm going to work. He didn't take it very seriously. And there was a, there was a Super Bowl or a championship game. The Giants were playing. They were losing by two points. It was five seconds left. And they were going to kick a field goal. The ball goes through the goals. The Giants win the Super Bowl or the championship. The ball misses. They lose. All of a sudden, he tells his friends, guys, I'm giving out to Hillims. We have to say to Hillim for the Giants that the kick goes through. She's sitting in the kitchen. My friend was sick. You won't say to Hillem. A bunch of goyim with a pigskin kicking it through a thing, and all of a sudden you're giving out to Hillem to all your friends. This is a reason to. This is this is not a marriage. Well, how do you explain to a, to a woman that to a guy 
the Giants to winning the Super Bowl, you say Tehillim, you fly to the Hash, to the Kaisel, you dive by the Kaisel, you take on fast days, you do tshuva. So you're all laughing. Like if I was in a room of guys, they'd say, yeah, Rabbi, how much Tehillim for the Yankees tonight? We'll start right now. I could have had tonight for the Yankees to win, I could have gotten 400 guys to say the whole Tehillim. You're like, what? Right? We're very different. We're very different. Now, why am I telling you this? Listen carefully. Avram Avinu, listen carefully. It's a very important share tonight. It's a little bit funny in the beginning, but it's a very serious share. This share will change your life. I, didn't need, I don't need notes for this share. This share, I gave it this week in five different places. And I, the reaction was from every single place. I want you to know all the share you ever gave. This year changed my life. It's very nice to hear things, but this year changed my life. Let me tell you why I'm telling you all this. Avraham Avinu was sitting in a tent. He was sick. It was the third day after his bris milah. There was a knock on the door. Bikr Cholim was here. Who was Bikr Cholim? Hashem himself. Came to visit Avraham Avinu in his house. It doesn't get better than that. From Avinu. You tell me he didn't know who he was? Hashem came to do Bikr Cholim. Okay. He was sitting at the door. It was burning hot. But you say, you want to do chesed, girls? Don't wait till chesed comes to you. We see from this passage, you have to look for chesed. You have to, for chesed, you have to lift up your eyes. Don't sit at home and say, well, Rabbi Wallstein, of course I'm not a volunteer and you never called me. Abraham Avinu teaches us that to do chesed, if you, you're not going to see the people who need help unless, unless you look for it. Sidetrack. When you say, he lifted his eyes. There were three men, three Arabs. Says Chazal, one was a camel driver, one was a merchant, one was a sailor, whatever. Three stinky, smelly, dirty, fashvitz, fazimult guys coming out of the desert. They weren't any fancy sheiks with a lot of money. They were smelly, stinky Arabs. Show up at Avram's door. Avram says, God, you hang out in my house. I gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta help these, not Jews, not rabbis, these Arabs. Okay? Vayar, he saw them for who they were. Another shear, he saw them that they were human beings. Vayar, you have to look. Vayarats, across them. And he ran. He ran to these three Arabs. He didn't know they were Malachim. By Yishtahu Artsa. And he bowed down to them. You hear? The Avram Avinu. Sitting with Hashem. Three Arabs. Filthy, smelly guys coming out of the desert. Stinky. He runs up to them. And the first thing he does is he bows to them. By Yishtahu. He bows down to them. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. He bows down to them. And what does he say to them? By Yomer, he says, Adonai, my masters, Avram says, if I find favor in your eyes, and you Arabs, if I find favor in your eyes, please, don't pass my house, don't go to someone else, come to me. What's going on over here? They're his master, and they're doing him a favor? He's doing them a favor. And the answer is, that a person, when it comes to relationships, 
father, child, child, parent, teacher, student, husband, wife. For to make a relationship work, there has to be a sacrifice. What is the sacrifice? You. You have to get yourself out of the way. The problem in relationships is you are always in the way of your relationship. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? Very simple. Ramavino over here, if I'm a Ramavino and Hashem is visiting me, I should spend time with a bunch of Arabs? For sure not. But Avram Avinu removed himself. Now, once he removed himself, and he's a nobody when it comes to relationship with someone else, so Vayishtachu, he bowed down to them. I'm a nobody. You three? You three are chesed. You three are a mitzvah. So now he's bowing down. He's saying, I don't know. You're my master. You're the master. Because I don't exist. I am a vatel myself in a relationship of helping someone else. I don't exist. If I don't exist, then only you exist, then you're my master. If I find favor in your eyes, please come to my house. A few weeks ago, I was speaking in, in Queens, and on my way out, three girls, I don't know why you girls are so scared of me, I, I don't, I'm not a scary guy, but these three girls come and approach me, and one of them says to me, um, and she's like backing up, I don't know, um, Rabbi Wallerstein, could I ask you like, like maybe something? And she's got her like, her support system, the other two girls next to her, you know? Can I ask you like something? I'm like, sure, what's the problem? She says, I don't want to be chutzpadik. I'm like, so don't be. <laughs> maybe, maybe like sort of, kind of, maybe new. Um, I can't believe I'm asking you this. Go ask him, ask him, ask him. <laughs> um, Maybe, I, I don't know if you do this, um, but, but like maybe, uh, um, maybe we could come to your house for a meal on Shabbos. <laughs> big question, what's the big, right, right. So like till she cuts to that was like 10 minutes, right? So I'm like, I'll ask my wife, I don't know what Shabbos, whatever it is. I'm sure, by the way. One of the things for five bucks, you know, one of the raffles, you can come to my house for Shabbos, so it's going to cost you five bucks, maybe you'll win, right? So, until she, she cuts to that, right? I said, of course, I, I, I'll ask my wife, and I'm sure we can make we can make this work. But they were like so scared, it was like, it wasn't chutzpah that we asked you, right? Like other girls have come to your house, it was I'm like, don't, it's Shabbos, I mean, I'm not, where do we think I am already, right? Okay. Now, if Rabbi Wallstein was Mizvatel himself, now let's look at the picture a different way. After my shear, tonight, right, I walk over to three girls that are sitting here, and I'm like, excuse me, um, could I talk to you? <laughs> maybe, maybe sort of, kind of, maybe kind of, sort of, maybe you would do me a favor? And Wallstein, what, what, what? I know it may be a chutzpah to ask you this, but maybe you'd, you'd come maybe for a meal for Shabbos. <laughs> you'd all look at me and say, what's the deal with him, right? <laughs> the answer is that if I'm a vato myself, 
if I take myself out of the picture, then asking you to come to me for Shabbos, you're doing me the favor. I'm not doing you the favor. As long as I'm in the picture, you want to come to me? I'll see. I got to think about it. But if I'm out of the picture, if I pull Wallstein out of the picture, coming to me for Shabbos? Oh my goodness. What a mitzvah you're giving me a chance to do. Avram Avinu, in the beginning of this parasha, took himself out and said, you, if I find favor in your eyes, do me the biggest favor in the world. Come to me, I'm going to give you tongues from three different animals. I'm going to serve you. Please come to my house. The Arabs should have said to him, uh, would you let us into your house? We're hungry. No. It was the other way. He ran to them and he didn't exist. Avram Avinu didn't exist. When Hashem saw, when Hashem saw that Avram Avinu when it comes to Arabs, thank you very much. Please, thank you all. Thank you very much. <laughs> if I find favor in your eyes, thank you very much. Sadekista, <laughs> she gets a happy birthday, by the way. Anyway. Now I totally lost what I was saying. Thank you very much. Okay. Anyway, so when Hashem saw that Avram Avinu could walk out of a room that Hashem was in and walk up to three smelly Arabs and call them his master and bow down to them and tell them that if you do me a favor, come to my house. Hashem said, I can ask Avram Avinu to bring up his son as a carbon. Because the only way that a person can bring up their own child as a sacrifice is if they totally remove themselves. When Avram Avinu, the Chazal say, when he was shechting Yitzchak, Yitzchak was no longer his son. Yitzchak was a carbon. Because Avram Avinu removed himself. If he removed himself, Hashem asked him to do something. There was no Avram Avinu. There was no father emotion, father feelings. He totally... In fact, the Medrash says, if you look at, if you look what happened there, it says that he took Machelas, he took the knife to Shechtim, and then when the Malach comes, the Malach said, keep your hands off him. What do you mean, keep your hands off him? Keep the knife off him. No, it says that the Sultan knocked the knife out of Avram's hand, because he didn't want him to do the Akedah, and that Avram was so into finishing the Akedah that he was choking Yitzchak to death with his hands. And that the Malach had to come and say to him, take your hands off him. Because there was no Avram Avinu at that point. He was misvatel himself, got rid of himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the beginning of this parasha to the end of this parasha, the only way to get to that point, because all our emotions of love and all the stuff that we have is only to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the ultimate love to, HaKadosh, to a person, to another human being, the ultimate love is to sacrifice yourself and get yourself out of the picture. And I tell this to parents, and I tell this to teachers, and I tell this to children. Your kid comes home with a 50 on a test. So if it's about you and you're in the way, Chanelah! I always use Chanelah. I'm not talking to anyone here. Chanelah! Do you know what you're doing to me and your father by coming home with these marks? Do you know how much, how hard we work to pay your tuition? Do you know how hard we work to pay for your tutors? Do you know what you're doing to us? 
Do you know what you're doing to the family? Do you know what you're doing to your sister Shiduchim that you hang out in the street till 3 o'clock in the morning? And the kid's looking at the parents and saying, what I'm doing to you, I'm not doing it to you. I don't before my test say, I'm preparing to fail my test to hurt my parents. I'm hurting myself. And I come home, and instead of my parents saying, you know what you're doing to you, come let's sit down and figure out how to make this work. All they're talking about is themselves. What you're doing to us. So you're in the way. You're in the way of the relationship with your child. Get yourself out of the way. Sacrifice yourself. Look at the child who got the 50 and say, we're not even going to talk about your test. In the old days, there used to be mothers like that before cell phones and all the mishugas that everyone's busy with the whole day. There used to be mothers that when the child came home from school, believe it or not, girls, there used to be such a mother that she wouldn't even talk about school. She would sit down and say, take a glass of chocolate milk and a donut and before you and wash your face and calm down and relax for half an hour and then we'll talk about school. There used to be such a thing. Not that when the kid comes home from school, it's, what you get on your test? What you get on your homework? Oh, you got a 90? Well, what did Mirala get? She got a 100. Why did she get a 100? And then you wonder why they grow up. They go off to Derek. They're upset. They need pills. They need therapists. They're out of their minds. They don't know what they're doing. Of course, you come home from school. Your teacher's screaming at you. Your principal's screaming at you. The bus driver's screaming at you. You didn't sit straight. You get home and your mother's screaming at you. And then your father's screaming at your mother for screaming at you. And that kid's supposed to grow up. How come she's not calm? How come she's all nervous? I don't understand. Because we're all busy. What you did to me. And same thing with the teacher. I had a teacher came over to me and she said, Red Wallstein, I need to talk to you. I'm very hurt. I'm like, what? What happened? A girl really hurt me today. I'm like, you don't look like Chakot Sala? She goes, no, no, much deeper than that. She hurt me deep in my heart. I'm like, you ever go to Romeo and Juliet again? I'm like, okay, what happened? This past Friday night, she was Machal Shabbos. She went to the city and she went to a Halloween party. I'm like, okay. So she goes, do you know how much that hurt me? I'm like, how did it hurt you? What do you mean? I worked so hard on her and I worked so hard with her. How could she do this to me? I looked at this teacher and I said, do you come from Mars? What are you talking about? What did she do to you? What do you mean, Rabbi Wallace? You, you don't understand what she did to me? I'm like, no. Tell me again. What did she do to you? She went to a Halloween party on Shabbos with Michael Shabbos. You know what she did to me. I'm like, you are in the way. What are you talking about? She did nothing to you. She did something to her neshama. She was Michael Shabbos. She did something to her. Why is she going to a Halloween party? Maybe we need to find out why she's hurting herself. You are reacting that it's all about you, that she did something to you. She didn't do anything to you. She wasn't in the city thinking about what I'm doing to you. She was thinking about what she's having fun and she's having a good time. So she hurt herself. She did something to herself. Stop getting in the way that it's all about you. That was Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was able to take the you out. So when you go shopping, and going back to my first story, and you're going shopping with your wife, and she spent five hours, and she bought nothing... Who cares? It's not about you. She was happy. She spent five hours and she didn't buy anything. And that's what makes her happy. If you are out of the picture and she is happy, 
then of course you're going to be very happy that this other person is happy. But when you're in the picture, it's my five hours were wasted. I could have done this. I don't like this. Any sentence that starts with I is a relationship breaker. Any sentence that starts in a marriage, I like this, I don't like this, I think, I feel, you're done. You're done. It's what do you think. I know. I spoke last night. They were looking at me like, well, I don't know what world you come from, but that don't work. The Torah says it does work. The Torah says that's the greatest love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When Avraham Avinu said, I don't exist. If that's what you want, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no problem. If that's what makes you happy, that's your tzivui to me. If that's what makes you happy, then that's what makes me happy. And if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. And if a bunch of Arabs show up, I know a man, he's like in his 60s. He go, more than 60s, he's in his 70s. And he goes to nursing homes and he changes old people's diapers. And I asked him once, I'm like, I know girls that I've asked to go, whatever, and they're like, I can do anything, I can't, I can't deal with that smell. And how do you, I said, how do you go? He says, what smell? I'm like, what do you mean what smell? He goes, there's a person there, and, and, and if I don't change them, they're going to be sick. It's not about me. It's a Holocaust survivor. It's not about me. It's about them. If it's not about me, there is no smell. Only I smell. Right? But if I don't exist, there is no smell. You're like, how can you do that? Oh, can you do that? Oh, I know people. All the Gedolim, all the Tzadikim. Rabbi Ayi Levine came to the doctor. What did he say? He said, me and my wife are here. The doctor said, why? He says, our foot hurts. He was totally misvatal himself. His wife's foot hurts. That's his foot. The Gedolim, the Tzadikim, that's a true relationship. True love. What is love? Love means that in a relationship, I'm out of the picture. That doesn't mean you have to get abused. That's not what I'm talking about. And in fact, it's only in a relationship. You yourself, don't take yourself out of the picture. You yourself, you have the most amazing potential in the whole world. Every human being has the most crazy potential. You can walk out tonight, every girl in this room, and a little kid could be running across the street from his mother, and a car bearing down, and you could run into the street, grab him, and save him. You just, you just saved the kid's life, just by being alive. Just by being alive. You just pulled the kid out of the street. Somebody you know is depressed, wants to hurt themselves, and you spent an hour and you got them to smile and you turned around. Everybody has that potential. So when it comes to you yourself, Avraham Avinu knew who he was. He was talking to Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu knew who he was. But when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am going to destroy Klai Yisrael. It's a beautiful dvatari. It's so deep and it's so real. Moshe Rabbeinu had to fix what Noach did. Noach didn't remove himself. Noach didn't save the generation. He got saved, and his family got saved, but he didn't save the generation. And therefore, Noah had to come back in a Gilgal. And he came back in Moshe Rabbeinu. And he got a second chance to fix it. And he got the second test. Hashem said, by Noah, I'm going to save you and your family. I'm going to destroy the whole world. That was okay with Noah, that he's going to be saved and the whole world's going to be destroyed. That wasn't okay with Hashem. So he came back as Moshe Rabbeinu, and Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, after they did the Egel, I'm going to destroy Kla Yisrael. Same story. And I'm going to save you. And from you is going to come out the whole Klai Yisrael. The exact same test that Noach went. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say? He was misvatel himself. That's why he was the greatest leader. He said, I don't exist if they don't exist. Mecheni no misifracha. There's no me. There's only Klai Yisrael. If you destroy Klai Yisrael, I'm not... This is, this is very, very deep. If you don't exist, and the only way that Moshe Rabbeinu exists is because Klai Yisrael existed. So Hashem told Mo, Hashem, Moshe told Hashem, if you wipe out Klai Yisrael from your Torah, since I never existed anyway without them, I'm automatically going to be wiped out. 
So Macheni no Mesiprecha. If they go, I go. Macheni spells Me Noach. He was Mesakein, the waters of Noach. He did the opposite of Noach. He said, I don't want to be saved without them. I don't want to be saved if the rest of the world is going down. If Kaisro goes down, I go down. Because Baruch said, in that case, you just fix what Noach did, and I'm going to save Klai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu was Mizvatel himself, totally many different stories to Klai Yisrael. So in relationships, especially in marriage, it's not about you. We're very much, you guys don't have as much problem as boys when it comes to this. We're, we're a little bit into ourselves more than the women are into ourselves. You know, it's, it's you know, we work, we do all this, you guys get sick, you have 103 chas v'shalom, you're taking care of the babies, you're shopping, you're doing homework. Us guys, Chanelah, I'm burning up! Especially if your wife tells you she doesn't feel well. Automatically, we don't feel well, but much worse. She's like, I have a rash. You think you have something? I have the measles. <laughs> I hurt my finger. Oh my goodness, I think I dislocated my foot. You girls don't know us yet. This is how we are, you know. Kind of life, high fever. Oh my goodness, Maishla, take your temperature. What do you got? Oh, I'm so sick. Call What do you got? 99.9, maybe 100.1. We're already gone because we're very into ourselves. There's no, so when a guy comes home, Right? Where's my supper? And she's like, I'm really sorry. Even good guys. I'm really sorry. Today, I didn't want to tell you, I don't want to ruin your day, but Chaim got kicked out of Yeshiva and I had to go down to school. I had a terrible day. You think you had a terrible day? They towed my car! You think towing your car is bad? Well, besides Chaim getting kicked out, this and this happened. You think that's bad? And for two hours, this couple is arguing who had a worse day. Because nobody in this marriage was willing to remove themselves. They, each one was getting in, in their own way. Instead of the guy comes home and says, you know, his wife says, listen, um, you look like you better have, you had a hard day. Go sit down. Uh, I'll make supper. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? You took care of the kids and everything. I'll make supper. Yeah, like, that's going to happen. But okay, anyway. Right. The best you'll ever get, girls, don't expect him to say he'll make supper. The best you'll ever get is, let's go out to eat. Right. That's, that's already good. That's very good. But when a person has a good marriage and they remove themselves in the relationship and it's all about the other person, then it doesn't matter. So what's the sacrifice? So you're going to tell me, so Rabbi Wallstein, it's very nice, but that person's going to have a miserable life. The one that's doing all the sacrificing all the time, he ended up in Bloomingdale's for six hours. Right? And he's going to do that the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. So it's very nice what you're saying. But if a person sacrifices in a friendship, you keep sacrificing, you're going to have a miserable life, which is totally wrong. You're going to have the best life you ever had. Because when you get rid of you, all of a sudden you see them. As long as you're in the way, you don't see nobody. A person who does chesed, why do they do chesed? Because there's much less of them. If it's all about you, then you don't see the other person. So the more you take away yourself, the more you see the world, the more good you can do. Abraham Avinu saw these three Arabs. They didn't see, he didn't see them as three Arabs. Once he was removed, he saw them as three mitzvahs. Three people I can help. Three people I can give food. Three people I can be makarev. So we think that when we sacrifice, which is love, Lamaisa, we're going to lose out a lot. So I want to end. And by the way, that, that's, that's the connection between a person and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, God doesn't need us to do anything. 
Why, do, why does he give us mitzvahs? He needs me to say Baruch HaTah Hashem when I take out an apple. He needs me to say Baruch HaTah Hashem. That's like when you're leaving the house in the morning, right? And, 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 the, and, the, and you have a parrot. I was telling you guys yesterday. You have a parrot, right? And the parrot you're taught to say, you're really, you're beautiful. So you walk out in the morning and the parrot looks at you and goes, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And you're like, shut up. I don't feel beautiful, and you're a stupid parrot, and you don't have brains, and this is not a thought process. This is someone who, someone taught you how to say that. It's absolutely meaningless, right? You walk into a pet store, pet land, and the parrot says, you're brilliant, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. You don't really take that very serious, because what does a parrot know about me? What does it know about me? So you think when you say, Baruch Atah Hashem, to Hashem, you, you understand what you're saying? Blessed are you, Hashem! You're blessing Hashem? What are you? Rima Vesalea, a human being, is blessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We can bless Hashem? That's like the parrot telling you you're beautiful. So, so every day we go to shul and we're parrots. Right? Hashem sitting up there where a human being can bless Hashem. So why do we do that? Why does Hashem want our brach? He needs our brach. He needs me to say brach Hashem. He needs me to put on tzitzis today. He needs me to put on tefillin. He needs me to light candles for Shabbos. That's what God needs. You think it makes it, gives him a better day? Ooh, all that light coming out from the earth, like, you know, lights up his library? What? What does Hashem need this for? And the answer is that if you only give, 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 it's not a relationship. A relationship has to be a give, not a give and take. Big mistake. Chas v'shalom. A relationship is give and give. If you give and take, that means that I walk up and I give you this safer. And then... I take, I say, I gave you the safer, now I'm taking back the safer. That's a miserable, disgusting, terrible relationship. Marriage is not a give and take. Bringing up children is not a give and a take. Teaching is not a give and take. It's a give and a give. You give the person the safer, and that person in turn gives the safer to you or something else to you. So now we have a relationship. I'm giving you, and you're giving me. But if all my life, all I do is give you, and you don't give me anything... That's one way. There's no such thing as a one-way relationship. It's not the definition of a relationship. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even though he doesn't need your bracha on the apple, because what are we? We're benching Hashem. He needs me to wear tzitzis. He needs you to light candles. But Hashem needs, doesn't need. He wants a relationship with his children. And the only way that he can have a relationship with us is if he asks us to give back. Because he gives us all the time. So we give back a bracha, even though it doesn't do anything. But we give back a bracha. That clinches our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch That is why we have mitzvahs. We have mitzvahs in order that we do an action towards HaKadosh Baruch And therefore, he gives action, he does action for us. We do action towards HaKadosh Baruch And that makes a relationship. A relationship is a give and a give. So I want to read you. I read this many years ago. It's absolutely amazing, amazing and he says the following, and then I'll let you go. So, I have given this speech, and people have come over to me and said, Wallace, I want you to know that it's very nice what you said, but you're going to become a very miserable person if all your life you remove yourself for other people. You're going to get stepped on and trampled on and kicked on, and it's the worst thing that you can do, and it sounds very nice, but it's not very nice. So I want to read you a Rav Chaim Vital to show you from this week's parasha what happens when you sacrifice everything for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we all know that when Avraham Avinu was bringing Yitzhak to the Akedah, which is the end of the parasha, 
So an old man approached Avram Avinu and said the following. He said, Avram Avinu, it cannot be what you're doing is correct. We know from last week's parasha by the Brisbane Absarim, HaKosh Baruch Hu told Avram Avinu that from your child Yitzchak is going to come out a whole nation. Now you're telling me that the same God that told you that from Yitzchak is going to come out of a nation, Yitzchak's not married, Yitzchak has no children, now he's telling you to kill Yitzchak. It cannot be the same God, said the old man. It must mean that there are two gods. One God told you that you're going to have children from Yitzchak, a whole nation, and the other God came and told you to kill him. So if there's two gods, just pick the God that said, right, what do you have to kill him for? The two gods, they're equal, right? Let them fight. You listen to the God that told you that from Yitzchak are going to come your children. Or, there is no God. And you're just hearing voices. You were smoking up. I don't know what you were drinking. I don't know what you were doing. You heard voices. Because how could a God that tells you that you're going to have children from Yitzchak and a nation tell you at the same time, kill him. So the old man said, either there are two gods, pick the one that you like, or there's no God. But Abraham Avinu was Abraham Avinu. And he said to the old man, you're not an old man. I know who you are. You can look it up. It's in the Medrash Rabbah. And it's also in the Mount Lawyers. He said, you're the Satan. And don't give me none of your stories. I don't understand how this is going to work. But if Hashem said that I should shecht him, that's, I'm, I'm going to shecht him. Leave me alone. So the Satan went to Yitzchak. And Satan started telling Yitzchak, your father's out of his mind. He's going to kill you. He started telling all the stories. And the Medrash said that Yitzchak began to change his mind. And he began to back off. He was like, maybe my father Taka heard wrong to kill me, you understand? And Avraham Avinu, whatever, got rid of the Satan. Bottom line is, they came to Haram Maria. Now the Satan, the whole time, was he made, he made oceans, he tried to stop them. The whole time, his taino was, that if you kill Yitzchak, then Klai Yisrael can't come out of Yitzchak, and therefore, it can't be, it's contradictory, it can't be that God, the same God that told you, that from Yitzchak's going to come, Klai Yisrael is telling you to kill him. It can't be. It's a contradiction. That was the Satan's line. I want to read you a Rabbeinu Chaim Vital from the Arizal. And he says the following. He says, Yitzchak Noilad Misitra Denukva. Yitzchak was born with a female neshama. Whatever that means. Doesn't mean he was weird. Doesn't mean that he was different. In Kabbalah we know that a female neshama means din. And a male neshama means rachamim. Whatever that means. But Yitzchak was born with a neshama de nukfa, A female neshama. Therefore, ulechein loy bazug. He couldn't have children. A man with a female neshama cannot have children. Says that reason. Ba'amra chazal. Bahar al-Moriya bizman akedas Yitzchak. On har al-Moriya by akedas Yitzchak. Pircha nishmasa himenu. Now Rizal says that Avraham Avinu already shechted Yitzchak. When you shecht an animal, there are two pipes. There's a windpipe and a food pipe. Once you sever both those pipes, it's over. You cannot save that animal or that person. That's why they behead a person. That's it. It's over. So it says here that, uh, that Avraham Avinu already had shechted him, that his food pipe, his veshet, his food pipe, was already cut. There was no way for Yitzchak to live. And then the Malach came and said, stop, it was too late. Once Avraham Avinu shechted that pipe, Yitzhak Neshama left him. Now, the only way that he could be saved, he couldn't be saved in this world. Says the Arizal, that the Malachim came, and they took Yitzhak's body off the Mizbeach, and they brought him to Ganeiden, and he was there for three years, and he was healed in Ganeiden. 
for what happened, the neshama, the female neshama that Rizal said, left the body of Yitzchak. Where did it go? Who was born on the day of Akedas Yitzchak? Rivka. So the Zayah says that the neshama, this female neshama of Yitzchak, went into the neshama, went into the body of Rivka. And therefore, we know that Rivka met Yitzchak three years later. Because she had his soul. Three years later it says, right, that he went, So it says that Yitzchak came out of Ganeiden. The minute he came out of Ganeiden, that's when Rivka was there. That's when he met Rivka. Rivka had his female soul. He got a male soul. Now, he could have children because he had a male soul. And therefore, when, in the beginning when he was born, it says, Ula Sarah ben. It says, Sarah had a child. Sarah is Nekeva. It, it means Nekeva. When, later on, it says, Vihine ben, was after Akedas Yitzchak. It says, Vihine ben, And then after it says, Leben Adonecha. When he, when he told Eliezer to get a Shidduch, it didn't say Leben Sarah, it said Leben Adonecha, because he had a male Neshama. Now, it goes on to say, how do we know this? How do we know he was in Ganei then? Because later on, by Yaakov Avinu, when he benched Esau, when he benched Yaakov, so it says that he smelled Yaakov's clothing. Yaakov's clothing, that his mother gave him, was the clothing of Esau. Where did Esau get that clothing from? From Nimrod. Where did Nimrod get that clothing from? From Adam. Where did Adam get that clothing from? That was the kasnas or that Hashem made for Adam. So that clothing was made in Ganeiden. So it smelled from Ganeiden. And that's why you were able to hunt very easily. That's why Nimrod had it. That's why Yaakov had it. That's why, that's why Esau had it. So now, when he smelled the clothing, Yitzhak said, Oh my goodness, the clothing I'm smelling smells from Ganeiden. Asked Chazal, how did Yitzhak know what Ganeiden smelled like? He was never there. He made a comment that your clothing smells from Ganeiden. How do you know what it smells like? Says, Reb Chaim Vital is a proof that he was in Ganeiden. What does this have to do with anything? So this is what I want to tell you. Now let's look at the story of self-sacrifice. Hashem knew in the Brisbane Absarim when he told Avram Avinu that from you is going to come Yitzchak and from Yitzchak is going to come out Klai Yisrael. Hashem knew that that could not happen with the soul that Yitzchak had. And the only way to get the male soul into Yitzchak was to do an Akedah. So what looked like the Satan was saying, it's a contradiction. Hashem said that from Yitzchak's going to come out Klai Yisrael, and now you're going to kill him. Looked like a contradiction. Was just the opposite. The only way that Klai Yisrael could come out of Yitzchak is if there was an Akedah. If there was no Akedah, Yitzchak was barren. He could never have children. So it looked like to us the greatest sacrifice of all. That sacrifice brought the ability of Yitzchak to get a new neshama, which brought the ability of Klai Yisrael to be here. Had he not done the sacrifice, had he had Avram Avinu not removed himself, had he been his father, an emotional father, he would have had a child that never would never have children, none of us would be here today. Just the opposite of what the Sultan said. The Sultan said it was a contradiction. It wasn't a contradiction at all. It could only happen. There was an Akeda. So you think if you remove yourself and you sacrifice yourself in a relationship, you think that you're going to lose out. We see from here in the ultimate sacrifice. The greatest thing that ever happened in the world was Klai Yisrael only came because Avram Avinu was able to remove himself. How did Hashem know that Avram Avinu would be able to pass this test? Because in the beginning of the Pasha, he removed himself with three miserable Arabs. 
totally removed himself and became, they became his master. They became doing him a favor. So a person, when he wants to get to a relationship in life with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get to a relationship, to remove himself in his love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we have to remove ourselves so many times. I don't want to wear this dress. I, I don't want to be so tzniyas. Who says the Torah says it? But if you, if you remove yourself, and that's what Hashem wants, there's no me. I'll wear whatever He wants me to wear. I'll do whatever He wants me to do. Because there's no me. So when you're able to start to remove yourself in life, better relationship with your husband, better relationship with your kids, better relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and this has to do with kids too, and the relationship with their parents. When you see your parents are, are not doing well, and they're upset, instead of saying, well, I don't care that business and they're wearing a recession. I want this dress and I want my car. I, 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 I. I always say I, I, I is I, I, I. <laughs> when there's too much I in front, you also have to remove yourself as their child and look at your parents. And if the important thing is that your parents are happy and they're telling you to be home at one o'clock, don't show up at two o'clock. If you show up at two o'clock, then it's all about you. It's not about them. You're in the way. You know why you're showing up at two o'clock when they told you to come home at one o'clock? Because it's not about your parents. It's all about you. You remove yourself, and that's my mother from 1 o'clock on is going to sit up and call every five seconds and sit there, or I'm going to be in Israel in seminary, and they ask me to call twice a week, but I'm too busy with myself. means I am too busy to make a phone call. But if you remove yourself, you have a mother sitting in America that every second thinks that something blew up and there's something wrong with their child, and you don't care because I is in the way. So my whole schmooze tonight... And that's why I told you the whole story with Bloomingdale's. And that's why I tell all my Talmudim, I'm saying, you want a good marriage? You have to remove yourself. If you remove yourself, Bloomingdale's is a great day. She's happy. If she's happy, fantastic. The Meshuggan of saying to him by a giant game, if that's what makes him happy, fantastic. Don't rip him up. I don't agree with this. I don't like what you're doing. Then it's about you. And I think one of the biggest problems in... in, in, in in education today and, and everything is that, that teachers and parents take everything that kids do wrong personally. They're not doing it to hurt you. I had to learn this big time because I put a lot of energy into a lot of kids that mamish, whatever I taught them, threw out and threw it in my face. And when I went to my Rebbe Raghav Lil, he says, they didn't do it to you. They're doing it to them. If you're looking at that the person's doing it to them, then you're going to help them. If you look at they're doing it to you, you're going to shut off and you're not going to have anything to do with them. It will change your whole life. So, I want to end with a bracha. We're going to learn with you one Gemara. We're going to learn with you two Gemaras. We're going to learn with you one Gemara. I know it's very late. But I want to end with a big, big bracha. And a wild story in the Gemara. It's very short. A story with Moshe Rabbeinu. Beautiful story. And then we'll, we'll, we're going to go and have a beautiful week in Mitz Hashem. Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. It's a Gemara for all the girls that want to look it up tonight. It's a Gemara on, in um, Shabbos. Daf Peites Amad Aleph. Just go home and say, what did you learn tonight? The Sechta Shabbos, Daf Peites Amad Aleph. You're going to flip out everyone at home. Okay. This is what the Gemara says. Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is one of my most fav- favorite Gemaras. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, When Moshe Rabbeinu came up to the, other, to the, next, to the up world, to the Ganadin, to get the Torah, Matzah he found... Hashem was sitting in his room and he was making little crowns on top. There are certain letters in the Torah that are written 
that there are crowns, shotness, the word shin, ayin, tes, nun, zayin, right? They all have crowns and, and gets, and a gimel and a tzaddik. These are, they're called targa, targa. These little crowns. So, Moshe Rabbeinu comes up to get the Torah, he sees Hashem's working. Hashem's sitting, and he's making crowns on top of the letters. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu just walked into the room of Hashem, where the Kisah covered is. He's in awe. He can't say nothing. He's standing in front of Hashem. So, Hashem opens the conversation. Amalo! Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe! Ain't Shalom Be'ercha? In your city, they don't have manners? When you walk into a room in your city, they don't say Shalom Aleichem? Yeah. He's walking to the room of Hashem, and Hashem's giving a Musr. Hashem's saying, what is this? You walk into a room, and you don't say Shalom Aleichem? That's what you do in your city? How many of us walk into a room when our parents, we come home from work, and we say Shalom Aleichem to our mothers and our fathers? Because Boku is angry at Moshe, they didn't say Shalom Aleichem to him. We come into a house to say Shalom Aleichem to our parents? Okay. Well, Moshe had a good answer. Moshe said, I should say Shalom Aleichem to you, Hashem? Klum, Yesh, Eved, Shinoisin, Shalom, Rabbi? Is there such a thing as a servant says Shalom Aleichem to his rabbi? It's not, it's not respect for a servant when it comes to his master to open up the conversation and say, Hi, how you doing? It works the other way. The master says Shalom Aleichem and the servant says Aleichem Shalom. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, in my town they do say Shalom Aleichem, but Hashem, you're the master and I'm the servant. I can't open up the conversation. Good answer. He answered Hashem. Good answer. Okay. Amaloi. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, good answer. You didn't say Shalom Aleichem. But, if you're telling me that you're a servant, that's what you are, and you can't say Shalom Aleichem first, what does a servant do when he sees his master? The first thing he says is, how can I help you? So Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, you're the servant, so then when you came into the room, why didn't you say to me, Hashem, how can I help you? Miyad, right away, so what would I would answer, Hashem, you need my help? You need my help? I'm gonna, it's a, it's a, it's an insult. You walk into God and you say, hey, can I help you? Right? Miyad, Amaloy, Moshe Rabbeinu understood. He gave Hashem a bracha. He said, and now may the strength of Hashem be magnified as you have spoken. What's this Gemara talking about? Hashem needs Shalom Aleichem for Moshe Rabbeinu. And then Hashem needs Moshe Rabbeinu, a human being, to give Hashem a bracha? And what the Gemara is telling us, girls, is that in a relationship... And there's a relationship between God and Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't just stand there and take. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu, you got you to give and give. So I'm giving you the Torah. What are you giving me? And Moshe Rabbeinu was like, Shalom Aleichem, I can't give you because you're the master. So says, so give me a bracha. Even though I don't need a bracha. But give me a bracha because that makes the relationship. You're giving something back. Moshe Rabbeinu understood that. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu gave HaKadosh Baruch Hu a bracha. That's all Hashem wants from us, everybody. He just wants a relationship with all of us. But all we do is take and take and take and take. What's our Shmon Esrei? Our Shmon Esrei is a shopping list. You stand there, Shmon Esrei. The longer you stand, Shmon Esrei, 
It's just the longer your shopping list. Sure, you stand the 40 minute, you have 900 names that need a refuah shalema. So you stand there, and Hashem, I need a refuah shalema, I need a shidduch, how about a little panasa, how about this, how about that, how about this, rifa'enu, I know 900 people that need shidduchim, I need 500 people that need refuah shalema, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Shema Esrei Tefillah is a big shopping list. Where's the other side of it? How many of us woke up and get up in the morning and say, Today, what can I do for you, Hashem? How many of us wake up in the morning and say, Hashem, what can I do for you today? So when I, of course, when I say this, you're all going to come back and say, Hashem needs us to do something for him. And the answer is, you need us to do something for him. Because if it's not for him, it's for you. Because if you do nothing, and you only take, and you only request, and you only take, there's no relationship. To have a relationship, you have to give. You have to do something. So guess what? You got to get up in the morning and you got to say, Today, Hashem, I'm not Wallerstein. I don't exist. You exist. So when I go into the bank, I'm going to hold the door open. When someone gives me something, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to put my Meshuggah cell phone in my pocket when I go shopping. So that when I talk to the person at the cash register, I don't, I don't teach... Treat them like an animal. I treat them like a human being. Instead of standing there and talking, so Chai, Shasui, how's everything? So what's going on? Here's my change. You have change? So what? The person standing there is a human being standing there. It's not an animal. It's not a machine. What are you doing? It's a person standing there. So Hashem, I've heard, I've heard on Avenue J, I've heard in fruit stores and in other stores, the Mexican people behind the register, what is wrong with these Jews? They don't even look at you when they come to, they're so busy on their phones. Hashem. So one day, walk around and do a Kiddush Hashem. Hold the door open on the bus. Get off the seat. But there's an old black lady sitting there. And say, excuse me, you're standing. Could you sit down? Instead of being so busy with yourself, and you're on your way to Toro College, and you're doing your homework, and there's six old people standing up, and you're doing your homework, and you're sitting on a chair, and they're looking at these Jewish girls, saying, oh my goodness, where, 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 where's, the, where's the person-to-person? Where, what happened? Where's the manners? But you're so busy on your cell phone, you don't even know that the old lady's standing. You don't even know what's going on. You're walking down Avenue J, people could be falling on the floor dying. Texting, 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 texting. You don't even know that anyone exists in the world. Sure, the Satan's smart. So, where's the give back? Where's the give back? The give back is to be in this world, to be in Avram Avinu, and not, I'm doing you a favor. You're doing me a favor. When I get off the chair to let the old lady sit, I'm not doing her a favor. There is no me. She's doing me a favor. Because by letting her sit, I just did a chesed, and I just did a kiddush. Your whole life will change if you start to learn to get yourself out of the way. We are in the way of ourselves all the time. We need to start getting ourselves out of the way. If you do that, relationship is going to be absolutely amazing. My bracha to everybody is that you should have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Moshe Rabbeinu had. And in turn, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will have a relationship with us and Ahava is a beautiful word. Ahava is a word that means to love, to love life, to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to love the Torah. And every time you say love in that type of emotional thing, that means that I'm out of the picture. It's about the Torah. It's about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's about my husband. It's about my kids. It's about my students. It's not about me. There's no I in us. 
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.